Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, finally, we got the first podcast of 2022. Waited long enough, procrastinated long enough on my part. It's been almost a month since what the last episode with Gary Williams. We got this week, Harold Varner, the third PGA Tour player, has been out there since about the 2015-2016 season. He made it through the Corn Ferry Tour. I remember meeting him at Napa. It was 2015, so it was his first event as a card-carrying pro, like full-time member. And I just remember he was in the mix. Saturday night, he was right there, 1,200 par. I think it was maybe three shots back of the lead, right in the hunt. And I just remember how approachable he was on that Saturday night at the driving range at Napa, at Silverado. I mean, people were coming up to him, chatting with him. He was great. He's a ham. I mean, he just loves people. And we get into that here in the podcast about his kind of his gregarious nature, right? Like why he's so uh, upfront with everyone. And you see it, too. In his foundation, HG3 Foundation, also Youth on Course. He's their first ambassador, so he's been huge in terms of getting youth access to golf courses for him growing up in Gastonia Municipal. He had his parents, uh, he was lucky he had his parents to pay $100 to get him out there for the entire summer. Uh, so he's got a lot of experience there, but there's a lot of cool things Harold's doing with youth right now, getting them out on the golf course. And the other thing, too, with Harold is that he's just upfront. He is who he is. So you're going to hear some uh, some cuss words here and there. Be ready for that for this podcast. But no, this guy's great. And we talk about how much he wants to win. Obviously, he hasn't done that yet on the PGA Tour. He did win in Australia, the Australian PGA, a few years back. But this guy's hungry. Remember, he was in the final group with Brooks Kepka, the PGA Championship there, Beth Page. And uh, it was right there. Didn't have a strong finish, but he's tasted it. At least he's been around the heat of the lead. So anyway, we'll get into that. Before we do Encore Golf, check out their website, EncoreGolf.com. And they're all about, as they say, the innovation advantage. Encore's premium high-performance golf balls are engineered to help players at all skill levels become better golfers. Using their perimeter weighting and advanced materials, more mass is distributed through the outer layer, providing unparalleled distance and control. You can get 10% off when you purchase online from them with my promo code B, the letter B, Clubhouse. And check them out on social media as well, at Encore Golf. All right, let's get to it. We got Harold Varner the third here on Beyond the Clubhouse. All right, I am joined by Harold Varner the third. What is going on, Harold? How are you, buddy? How's it going, brother? Everything's good. Just uh, freezing my tail off here in North Carolina. Yeah, and you know what? I think about your life right now, and three months in, you got your son, Liam. How has that changed? It's your first kid ever. You're 31. Like, what? what is this feeling like? Uh, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's, uh, it's <laughs> awesome. Um, it's kind of weird. Uh, I, did, I got, like, I've been hurt for a little bit, and I just kind of, I've been trying to do all the therapy and stuff we can do to, like, get it better. So I've been home a good bit, which is kind of weird. Uh, but preparing, you know, obviously to leave. I don't know if I'm for sure not ready, but I'll be ready when I leave. But like right now, it's kind of uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. It's uh, me, and my, my wife, and I went out with a couple in New Orleans right after the New Year's, so that was super odd for her. Um, 
because she hasn't left the kid once. So it's kind of, it is what it is. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. We have a healthy kid, you know, I've just seen, I've heard horror stories, you know, whether through the PJ tour, or just in regular life, you know, just people, you know, babies fighting for their lives. So we're super blessed and thankful to, you know, things are going well. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys went to see, uh, you saw your Carolina Panthers out there in New Orleans, right? How was that? <laughs> it was terrible. Um, man, we just, just a rough year. Um, yeah, it sucks actually, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not very fun when you're losing, but you know, you got to support them through it all. I just, I'm just not in the mode of let's, uh, let's lose so we can get some picks. I think that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of discussion. Obviously you're a big Ron Rivera guy here in Washington, where I live, there's so many people saying you got to lose this last game. You got to be there for better positioning for Washington in the draft. Like don't, don't play to win. Come on. People are like literally losing their lives out here playing football. And you're talking about purposely losing a game or even talking. That just, that just goes to show that people just don't like probably have never played sports. You know, like you're not going to, I just wouldn't purposely lose. If you're the owner of the place, you might think that, but. Not when, you know, people could not play another down in the league. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, going back to your son, Liam, real quick, is what has surprised you about being a dad so far? Have you been in any situations where, oh, shoot, you didn't pack enough diapers and you guys had to drive home with uh, him? And, no, you know, great question. Uh, no, <laughs> I have not. My wife is she's overprepared, to say the least. So I haven't had anything crazy. Um I just didn't realize how quick you just catch on to it. You just like, all right, do this, do this. I'm going to grab this. Like you just do it. Like we just went on a road trip to see your in-laws and it's just like, it's just like, it just clicks. Hey, we need that. We need that. You know, pull over. We got to feed them like, or pull over. We got to wipe his butt. You know, like you just do it. <laughs> That's what I'm surprised how you don't think twice about it. You don't overthink it. You just do it. You know, anything else in life, you're like, what should we do in this situation? No, like just clockwork. You have the kid, you just, I think it's cool. When do you think you'll see him uh, give him a golf club? I know at age two, you got a golf club from your dad, Harold. Yeah, I, uh, I've been obviously been asked, asked that a lot. Um, I think golf's just really different. It's a great game. I think you can meet some unbelievable people. It's just very different if you, like, really love it. Like, you don't get to lose with the team. You don't get to, you know, yeah, you're not going to get hurt, but it just sucks losing. And I just know how parents are. Like, some parents are out there watching every shot, every second, living and dying by it. Some kids are just getting dropped off playing the tournaments. So um, we're going to take it one day at a time and just go with the flow. If he, you know, just not try to force it, but also just give him the opportunity to do whatever he wants as long as he's, like, growing up, becoming a man, learning how to, you know, respect people. That's the Those are the main things that I worry about. I just – in the golf world, it's just totally different. You know, his life will be totally different than how I grew up for sure. So I think about those things. So when people ask, I just, like, just let me take it however it comes, you know? Yeah. It's easy to say, like, you know, you're a member here. Like, he'll be able to play golf whenever. But, like, that I just don't find that that – cool to be honest with you like hmm. let, let him decide but like I don't know if I would have played as much if I would have been a member at a country club and you know wanted it as much so like just let him figure it out like it's his life like like maybe you would have taken certain things for granted you know what I mean if you had more access or something like that whatever it is I'm sure I'll figure out as I go and you know I'm sure I'll be you know I'll just call one of my golf friends and be like you know how'd you get your kids to golf or whatever that might be <laughs> whatever you know, because you, 
you can sit here and say, you know, I got a club at a young age, but like you don't know. You, you don't, you didn't know you were swinging a club. You were just trying to hit it. You see pictures. Like you don't really know until you're like nine or 10, like what you're actually doing, like remembering like what the holes look like playing in tournaments. So um, we'll take it one day at a time. My job is to, uh, you know, protect them, provide for them, and teach them manners and how to be a man. Mm. Perception versus reality about being a parent. Yeah, that's what, uh, it's just what it's about. You know, like you don't have to march anyone to beat with your kid. You just do the things that you believe in. And they'll like, you know, they'll correct themselves and you just, you learn from other people. Same thing you do in golf or any other sport. You try to ask questions and this is how I, what, how I would like it, whatever that might be. You mentioned age nine or 10 is when you start remembering things uh, with tournaments and, and playing golf and stuff. For you starting age nine, Gasonia Municipal, getting that opportunity to play in the summer, um, what do you make of the sacrifice that your parents made for you and giving you that opportunity? This is my point. Like a hundred dollars, my parents had to pay it. Like in like every time they got paid, I mean, if it was a hundred bucks, you know, I've spent a hundred bucks in some of the worst places, you know, like some bad places, you know, <laughs> after bucks, you know, sometimes like it's going out of style. So I just, uh, learning that for myself, I guess, like, how do you, how do you, you know, yes, he's going to be given a better opportunity, a better start, but like still make him learn that like there's a, there's simple principles in life that are important no matter what you've been born with or what you haven't been born with. Um, yeah, that's where it comes down to. Just, yeah. Like you said, you know, just having the right perspective on just how to talk to people, how to be, you know, I keep referring back to it, how to be a man, how to like grow up, how to, you know, deal with other kids that aren't always cool. You know, like that's why me and my wife, my wife and I get into it all the time about public school versus private school. And, you know, that's, things that's the beauty of being a parent you know and having your mom and dad around to be able to talk about things figuring out what's best for you and you know just it ain't gonna be right all the time but you're for sure gonna think about it mm. um but yeah growing up at gas municipal was awesome man it was the greatest thing ever it was you know a hundred dollars like it's crazy what the sacrifice is you know like my <laughs> sacrificing a hundred bucks and you know like i'm over here spending a hundred bucks in gas um yeah, it was all, it was great. I met some awesome older men that just uh, just took care of me like like a father, and got to play golf with them. You know whether my dad was there or not. Uh, Monday through Friday, man, it was it was on. I get dropped off, and my dad would pick me up. Um, yeah, it was sick. Well, you talk about your dad there, and I heard him tell a story one time about when he grounded you. Uh, for throwing a club on the golf course, or at least he threatened and said, Hey, no golf for a month. Tell us that story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You just don't, you don't act like an asshole. Like I don't <laughs> care how big or how good you are. And you know, the message was sent. Uh, so those are things I look forward to teaching my kid. You know, it's just not, it doesn't look very good in my opinion. I mean, obviously there's time and a place for everything. Like, but yeah, no, you just, we ain't going to have that. Yeah. Yeah. Bottom line. Um, you know, one thing you obviously have a, a great sense of not taking things for granted. We can tell just by how you're talking about your past for me, like I'm always trying to remind myself that I'm that same guy. I worked at a public course growing up and they call me E nine. Like I, I was the cashier for the executive nine. I was making seven bucks an hour, right. With all these guys, uh, age 20, 21, whatever. So when I text my friends now, I even 15 years later, I'm like, Hey, what's up, dude? It's E9. How you doing? Like I, I, I try to intentionally do things to tell people that, Hey, I'm just still the same guy, no matter if I've gotten into media or whatever. Like, what are some things you like to do? Uh, just to kind of remind yourself, Hey, I, I'm that same guy from Gastonia growing up. 
Um, well, I bought some land and I started working, you know, COVID kind of, you know, I, I think COVID was a very separator in life. Like if you had money and you had things to do, you were fine. If you didn't, it was, uh, I think it was, a, it was terrible. Like I could only imagine being a kid. Like I could only imagine being the same kid at the age of 11 when COVID hit versus now and just how, just how life would have been different, I think, you know, because we're just we're, – it's lingering on kids not being able to school. So, I just – you know, I had a lot of fun, so I worked on machinery. Like, I just – I like to work. If I don't know how to do it, you know, I'll get someone to do it, but I also want to learn how to do it. Like, we we got a Harley rake, and we tried to figure out how to smooth out this land. It's, uh, it's just – I think it's very easy, in my opinion, because I do live at home. Everyone, no matter what, they're going to love me regardless – if I'm on the PJ tour or not. So it helps. I think growing up, I thought it kind of hurt because when they love you, they also want to make sure you can't walk through the front door. Hmm. So it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's very easy. I mean, my foundation kind of helps um, just seeing these kids just want to play golf and get better at what they want to do in life. Um, and then you just, you see the people that sat down, took the time to put you know, their effort in their life, you know, like take time out of their life to put effort in yours. And you just go, I want to be that. I want to be a part of that. And doing those things, being around people that have done that, like the guy that basically – the two guys that used to take me to lunch at least one every off week or when I was real little, they'd just call me and be like, hey, we're going to lunch. They helped me raise money when I turned pro. They're still alive. One's 91 and wow. one's 83, 82, 83. So, like, yeah, it's like I'm still a kid. So, that kind of helps. <laughs> yeah, from their perspective, you're still, you're still young Harold, huh? Right. So, you know, and then my parents are still kicking. They're still having fun. So, yeah, you know, it's I think it's a sweet spot of life. You know, it'd be I could sit here and say it'd be cool if my kid was older so he could see it. But I think that's like that's the whole realm of life, like from old in the middle to being a kid, them taking care of the kid. It's just I think that's just a beautiful way to make it. Mm. Sorry, you mentioned your HV3 foundation. How how fulfilling is that to to be working on that? I think it's a lot of work. Um, yeah. I, not in my end, but just seeing, you know, people that are a part of it that don't even get any recognition, but they just do it. Um, I think we all have the same values of what golf means to people and how sports can change kids' lives. So that, that kind of helps. But, um, I mean, same thing. Like this guy that runs our foundation is, you know, he's the reason I went to ECU, you know, um, Press got in touch with Jason, and he was the head guy at Carolina's Golf Association for – or the head of the Junior Golf Association for, you know, forever. I mean, I don't know how many years, but, like, he became one of my closest mentor friends, and now he runs our foundation. You know, I trust in the people that have raised me, and so it's kind of cool to see. Obviously, it prevents – it provides opportunity, but it also – you know, I just want to see the kids know that, like, hey, man, there's people that care about you, you know, no matter what color, no matter what happens, no matter what you see in the news or the fact that you can't go to school or you got to wear a mask. We care and we love you because one day I'm going to get old. I might be in hospice. I might be in the hospital. And yeah. these kids are going to take care of me. You know, like the what the kids we're raising, the, the enablers or whatever you want to call them, whatever you believe what's in our society is going to be the provider for you when you get old. I mean, if you don't see that, then you're just blind, but it's just the way it is. And I like it that way because it's like any investment. If you put time into it, you know, you'll see the fruits of your labor eventually. Mm. We talk about those, those young kids that you're working with now, like um, any specific relationships that, that are really cool that you're able to keep up with, with some of these younger guys. 
Not really. Um, I mean, I say not really. I don't know the kids, but it, sometimes it's pretty cool just to see some of the older guys that help me. It might be their grand, might be their grandparents or their grandkids. So it's kind of weird. It's like it's like they skip. <laughs> yeah. Some of their sons are mentoring. So it's uh, it's fun as hell is what it is. It's just like you know, you think golf's everything, and then you you sit down. You I I was kind of banged up and you just kind of start doing little things that matter you know like the time just goes by so fast when you're on tour you're just sitting there like just one day after another bang 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 and then when you have to sit down and you're like oh i have time to do that i ain't gonna put that on anyone else you start seeing what really matters and what kind of work is, has to be done hmm. well you also said sports can change kids lives as you were talking about as you discuss hv3 foundation I think about youth on course and you being an ambassador for them. Like what, what is that thrill like just being so involved in that regard? It's the closest thing to what I had when I was, <clears throat> when I was uh, born um, or like growing up playing golf. Um, we tried to do it in Gastonia. Obviously it wasn't going to be a hundred bucks, but I said I would pay for every kid, you know, and you just find out who's real and who's not, you know, like, are they doing it? Cause they really love it. Are they doing it? Cause it's a, you know, recognition i struggle with that a little bit um i think you just do it because it's the right thing to do and it's what you want to do it's not harming anyone it's giving people opportunity uh, but um i'm learning you know it's just it's hard to you know, be like hey i want to help kids and then you got to be like hey uh can we put this on the social media that you did this you did that how about we just do it but um there's some uh there's some good things that come from me speaking out about it and posting it and publicizing it Sometimes I just don't like it. I just it's not my favorite thing in the world because mm. if you have to be publicized to do it, then it wasn't the right reason. Yeah, yeah. It's like you want uh, you, if if you're so desperate for the recognition, like you, you want to you want to be in the right place about it, right? Correct. Uh, you you just want to know where someone's heart really is because you know the time starts going, when these kids get bigger and they just believe in everybody instead of just kind of like filtering what someone says, reading them out. You know, like you don't you don't have any of that anymore. You know, we've taken away. You can, you know, if you think something's wrong with someone, you just Google their name, you know, like, oh, you did this, you did that. And then you have this thing where like people are so scared to mess up, they don't ever actually take a chance. Cause you have one, you know, it's one strike you're out now, world. Mm. One strike oh, you're man. out. Good luck coming back. Um, but growing up as a kid, man, I struck out a lot. I mean, I got my ass whooped, which I'm super thankful that they did that because they taught me right and wrong. So you just Man, it's gonna be tough for Liam, but you know what? I'm gonna <laughs> stand by side with him and just help him out. And if I can do that to another kid, I'm gonna help him out. You know, just want to touch as many kids' lives as possible, change them. For sure, for sure. Well, hey, I want to talk to you about your early career for a minute. I know you mentioned social media a second ago, and you just tweeted. Uh, was it? I think you retweeted the video, the moment of when you earned your PGA Tour card, and how emotional, how cool that was. What What was that emotion like? Oh, it awesome. I don't really like remember it like a lot. Like I remember it. Like I just remember what I did that day. I remember the up and down on 17. Um, but I don't really think about it until like Corn Fairy posted. You know, you're like, oh shit, that's crazy. It's, <laughs> no, like it's uh it's funny. Like you don't understand time until someone says, Oh, that was seven years ago. You don't understand three months until you have a kid, you know, like how the days, you know, you just you just don't until that happens. Um, or you get married, you know, you're like, man, has it really been that? long stuff like that um but i'll tell you what i do remember is when i was sitting there i the whole time i was like man people are making a big deal about this 25 
but like the way they had the playoff set up, I was playing well. I was like, I'm going to get my card and, you know, I would have gotten my card, which is weird. I mean, I don't know how they do it now, but back then my number would have been better if I would have not got finished in the top 25. Oh man. Just, just the way the rankings. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the way it is, but like, I'm not here to change them. That's not my duty. I don't want to be in politics. You know, that's just not my thing. (laughs) I just believe in things and I just stick to them. Yeah. Um, It's funny. I look at your first few years on tour and I think about like, um, you know, I think it was fries.com at the time, the Safeway open, whatever they call it now in Napa, your first event, um, you, you get to a, a place like that. Your first event as a pro, I should say, as a card carrying pro, right? And then that, that year you go on and you play Riv for the first time as a pro. Um, you play, I think, Arnold Palmer in Arnold's very last API. I mean, what are the odds there? Were there any moments where you're just like, wow, I, I made it. I made it here. I'm at this course. Anything like that? No, hell no, man. It's golf. In 30 years, you ain't remember I played on It's just the facts about it, man. People are going to remember how you treated them, how you spoke to them, how you acted way longer than what tournament you won. I mean, I can't tell you who won the Masters last year. Uh, but that's just me. I just – I take pride in that. doesn't mean I don't want to win. That's what somebody's going to say about that. But, like, they can fluff off. But it's just – it's just the way it is, man. It's, it's history. Uh, but, no, I had no idea, man. I was just, like – I was just playing golf. And little did I know I was playing some of the best golf of my life. Um, yeah, it was nuts. Went by fast, but the greatest year was the year I almost lost my card because just so much like life happened. You know, uh, my wife lost her brother. Mm. You know, I, you know, it was just super high low. I won in Australia, came back, we were celebrating and found out while we were celebrating. I just didn't, I wasn't a man then. I wasn't capable enough to handle like that life isn't fair, that like it's just not easy. Like when you're little, your parents, keep some of this stuff away like bills or whatever that might be you just you're in your own little cloud you're with your boys you know you might get a butt whooping for not being home at time or you know doing something stupid but like in reality they they you know they have a cloud around them and around you know that's what i was grew up even though my parents weren't super well off you know they protected me from knowing that like you know there's some things that i knew i wasn't i'm not an idiot but at the same time you you just want to like enjoy the moment like you're here but like at the same time you want to see how good you can get like so that's why i've always thought like let's just see how freaking good i can be sitting and if i sit there and say man i'm really good how douchebag does that sound like (laughs) that's so fun you weren't given this this amazing talent to just be like i'm good no it's like you know obviously my number one goal is to see if i can win on the pj tour like i haven't done it you know i'm sure every interview this year will be are you ready to win? And, you know, I'll answer that professionally. And in the deep down inside, I'll be like, no shit, I'm ready, bro. But this is my journey and uh, I'm going to run my race and I'm super proud of it. Yeah. Well, and I look at some of your stats that, you know, we'll think about this 53rd in distance right now, 23rd in birdie average um, shots game putting is 50th. So you're trending in, in, in a good area in those departments. So where, where would it be if we're talking about a win? Like, is there a certain aspect of your game you're looking at or are you just looking at, like, week by week? Uh, just playing golf. I'll go ahead and tell you, I drove it like dog shit. <laughs> I drove it everywhere. So that killed me, man. It just took away so many opportunities on par fives, man. I probably have the most bogeys 
or par fives. It's what it's quite up there. So you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm just that you know that stat's good. It's good to learn from it, but at the same time, you know, when I was the best driver, one of the best drivers in the tour, I wasn't cracking eggs. So it's just it's golf. You know, like my goal is to just figure out how to manage it as it comes because there's gonna be a time I'm gonna drive the wheels off of it and my putting's not gonna be bad. I'm just gonna keep you know just keep getting a little bit better at everything. Right now, my chipping's been terrible, which is whatever. Is that like a feel thing? Is that just kind of a week by week thing with chipping, or so, like how do you? Uh, you start drive. So here's what happens. So this is why the driver is the most important glove in the bag. So if you drive it well, you don't have to chip as much. So my chances of getting it up and down means I only have to get one. You know, I only have to get so many up and down. So like, then you, if you can, you know, you, you know, you're just making. You see, what I'm saying like. And mm-hmm. turn it backwards you know you don't have to make as many putts you can hit it closer from the fairway and then i can you know it's just easier to make more putts when the closer i think so my stats don't prove that but whatever um but <laughs> it's just the way it is man you know because as soon as i started driving it bad my putting got so much better hmm. um, and then what ends up happening if you drive it bad and you shoot well you like then you don't you kind of let loose. So it's all a mental thing. It's a, cause when you drive it well, you're like, I expect to play well. When you drive it bad, you're like, fucking, let me ground this out. Let me ground this out. Scrambling. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's a weird thing, but it's the greatest game. You know, I wouldn't call it a sport, but it's a fun game. No one's going to die. Right. It was fun game, but it's, it's also, there are some hard aspects about being a pro. You know, I, I think about, I mean, a lot of people say it's a lonely, it's a lonely life out there on, on, on tour. What, what do you feel like is the hardest part about being a pro for, for fans that they don't really understand? The hardest part is whenever you lift your head, everyone expects you to be the best thing since sliced bread. Huh. And in most sports, you can like take that and like go talk with your boys. You know, like if you play basketball, you're going to have a guaranteed contract. You're going to make $50 million and, you know, it doesn't have to go right. You're just the biggest bust in golf. <laughs> you got to prove it every day, every time, every time. That's – that's and, you know, like, I just get tired of proving shit to anybody. Like, I don't have anything to prove to anybody. But, like, now it's fun. Now it's the game that, like, that I really like. Because the only thing I have to prove is to myself. How good does Harold want to be? Because you make decisions for yourself. Like, I don't care what anyone says. They can say, I want to provide for my kid or I want to provide for my wife or I want to give my – no, at the end of the day, protect the dream. My dream was always to be on the PGA Tour. Protect it. Whatever that is, make those decisions. Because hmm. the rest of that stuff that's around there will take care of itself. So I just protect the dream. Trust it. Yeah, there was something that your dad said about your dream. I I I, I can't get the words just right. But yeah, protect the dream. It was something about like that, like that. It was a lot like protect the dream. Your schemes. Sorry, say, well, what's that again? Said your dreams are your schemes. Yes. <laughs> see, I, see, I knew you would know that because I mean, come on, I mean, Harold Junior Harold uh, taught it to you. So stupid, but so true. Like, if you're not dreaming about it, you're not thinking about it, you're not really like thinking about it because like you can't just walk up there and be like oh all right it's gonna happen no dang this is a cool car man this thing cuts off like after 30 minutes oh yeah your, your wife's car your new their new car yeah dang little mama got a nice car <laughs> uh hey you talked about though keeping your card and, and and how you almost lost your card one year 2017 remember you went into windham and you needed a top end she finished 12 at windham when you needed it what how much pride do you take for, from delivering when, when you absolutely need to? 
a lot. It's the greatest thing in the world. You can do any drug on the planet, but it's nothing like being in contention or possibly losing your job. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like, it is so <laughs> addictive. I don't know. I love it. Because, like, at the end of the day, what is someone going to say to you? can't believe you lost your card. Fuck you, man. You, where were you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, it's awesome. It's great. I love it. I just need to get back. Not back there, but back in contention. So, it's like, oh, man, I'm ready. Talking to you makes me ready. Yeah. Well, it's just that um... – it's just the adrenaline. I mean, just is that's what it is with the contention. Yeah. It's just something you can't like put in the words. You can't say, do this, do that. You just like, just take whatever comes, just be ready for it. And I, you know, I just, sometimes I'm not that I, you know, I haven't, I'm just not ready for it. Cause I haven't, I haven't experienced it. And, you know, it just happens to happen in front of millions of people watching on TV. So they're like, Oh, you should have done this. You should have done that. Most people learn that stuff on the, on the corn fair, you know, like I, you know, I, on the corn fair, I just, I don't think I was good enough. So I just, my whole life, I just felt like I just kept getting better. You know, in school, I didn't win until I was a junior in college. And then I never won. I won like some professional events, like little mini tour events, um, but never won on the corn ferry. But so, you know, I just, you know, I just, that's my journey, you know, and I respect it. You know, like, it's not like I don't work hard enough. I just uh, filter what people say, trust what people, you know, and just you rely on yourself, you know, like you're like, you're not an idiot. Yeah. You're quick to be like, ask everyone everything. Ask them, but like at the same time, ask them questions. Like, hey, what did you think? Yeah, I, I'm good at that. I'm really good at asking questions. So you you mentioned millions of people watching, like figuring out things in real time as millions are watching. Remember 2019 PGA at Beth Page. I mean, that's probably the best example of it. There you are in the final group. What would you learn from a day like that, being in the mix, starting six up, six back behind Kepka? Uh, don't be so hard on yourself, man. It's uh, That was probably one of the hardest rounds of golf in general, like whether I was in contention or not, because what ended up happening was the guys that played earlier wasn't as windy, man. It was nuts. I mean, and people forget Brooks shot 77. You know, it's not like <laughs> yeah. like drug my ass around the golf course. So it's just uh, – it is what it is. I learned a lot. Uh take it one day at a time uh you know just it is what it is and then i just started not caring about what anyone thinks you know you're out there and you're like fuck i want to do so good so bad but at the same time like i want to do good because about me like i, I want to see how good i can get you know like not because it'd be cool to win a major you know and then it's just man it happened it happened so quick gone it was awesome well, it's fast, like you said, um, but what are the feelings like? You know, it, it's coming at you in real time. I mean, like, this is your opportunity, you know, expectations. Like, how does it feel, like, in the moment? Uh, it's, that's why I was telling you. There's nothing like it. Like, I don't care what drug there is out there. I don't know. I think nothing like it. Because not no one can do anything. No one can, like, no one can tell you what to do. Like, it's just you. Like, you, yeah. you can say Patty's on your team, whatever, but at the end of the day, it's only you. And that's the best feeling in life is when you make a decision, only you are affected. And like, you could say money. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, you're, you're aging or well, this or that. But, like, at the end of the day, it affects you directly first. I think it's cool. I think it's awesome. Even though I'd like to have guaranteed money, that'd be great. But it's not like I'm going to go out there and hit somebody. I get knocked out. Won't be there for long. 
Yeah, but well, you're right though. It is on you totally because it's not like it's like a quarterback throwing a pass. They threw a great pass, but then it got tipped and then intercepted or something. It's like no, you're in a final group of a major, and it's all on you to hit the shots. You know what I mean? You're in control of each shot. You know, it's not like you're you're riding the coattails of a fellow player to get there. Correct. No, you're just doing your thing. I love everything about it. Yeah, you embrace it if you really want it. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that that's interesting to me. You talk about embrace it. Like, what do you learn from top players um, so far in your five, six years on the tour? Uh, obviously been super fortunate to be, you know, around some good players. Obviously, Tiger, you know, I've had conversations with Hell Irwin. Um, yeah, it's just uh, the best thing that I've, you know, I've, there's two of them. One of them was basically no, no one knows what makes you nervous. No one. Figure out what that is and figure that out. F- fix that. Mm. Mm. Whatever that is. I mean, I don't know what that is because it's different for everyone. Like, you know, like. You know, one guy can get up there and he thinks that's easy. And then the other guy gets up there and he's like, even though he's being cocky and saying that I can do that, because every professional does a good job of that, doesn't mean he's not nervous or he's not thinking about it. Um, and then, you know, I you asked someone, I said, what does it take to win, man? You know, like, blah, blah, you've won a lot. And he said, quit worrying about winning. And I was like, you know, I was just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and just basically, like, it just helped me, like, focus on what I want to do. Like, you know, I'm going to be held accountable to it. But, like, all right, I believe this is going to work. So I focus on that and I do that. Yeah, so those are the two best things I learned from some of the best players in the world. Like, I mean, swing-wise, I don't really talk about that. My swing doesn't look like anybody else's. Yeah, it's great. You just got to do you. Yeah. In I the end. It. Yeah, I know it's good and bad because then you start like getting pissed off when things don't go not go your way, but when like they're not how you want them. I'm pretty OCD about certain things, so <laughs> doesn't doesn't pertain to life. So don't try that everywhere. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, uh, your personality you're very gregarious, very outgoing. Um, I, I think about your personality and popularity on tour. Uh, I can remember distinctly when we met at Napa in 2015. It was Saturday night. You would, you were at 1,200 par through three rounds. And we're at the driving range and it didn't matter. A bunch of people went up to you, people you didn't even know went up to you and said, Hey, what's going on, man? And you shook their hand. You talked to them for a few minutes. That's just Harold, man. Like you're just outgoing. Like, how does that, how does that shape, I guess you as, as a pro golfer? Uh, I think it hurts me sometimes, but I'm doing a good job of just like taking care of my shit, which is, wish I would have known that then. But like, I mean, dude, you're supposed to say hello to people, man. You're supposed to go through life with people. It's it's an important thing. Like, this earth would not be in existence or keep going without people. Uh, it's just the way it is. And we're going to lose that eventually, but I'm going to be long gone while they figure that out. We're definitely going to lose. Can't move without someone critiquing on if you got a mask on or no mask. We can't get along. We can't compromise. We can't say hello. We can't say how we feel. Someone's offended. You know, like things like that, that are just sickening to me. Like, well, I don't bite my tongue. I have no worries in that. Like, I'm not here to, you know, to not step on people's toes. You know, obviously I don't always say it correctly, but yeah, I was was taught that. Like, you're not going to go through life without, no matter how much money you have, you're going to need people, whether if they work for you, with you, or above you, you're going to need them. 
Well, when you say it, it hurts you sometimes that I'll go inside of, of yourself hurts you. Like, does it hurt your golf game? Like, do you feel like it hurts oh, or time. time, time is money time. Like if you want to practice for an hour, if you talk for 30, you only got 30 minutes of work. If you talk for 15, you got 45 minutes gotcha. worth of work. Time is a uh, man. Like I said, you don't understand time until things start having a number. They start saying something every year. Like, Oh, it's been seven years or it's been three months. <laughs> You don't understand time. I don't know why it's like that. Mm, mm. Well, speaking of time, like I think about um, like a lot of younger players. I mean, I, I would imagine that there's got to be a lot of younger African-American guys, that, kids that look up to you to see that you're on tour. Uh, what, what does that mean for you? Like, what, what do you see as your role as one of the few uh, black Americans on tour? Uh, my role as an African-American is for them to take my route. Like, I don't think, I don't think there should be, you know, it's, I understand that in the, in I guess in the corporate America, which I've never been in, that like race is a thing. Like there's not black people working in the corporate America. In sports, in sports, that leaderboard doesn't read color, doesn't read names. It reads numbers. Yeah. And whoever plays the best is going to, they're going, they're going, their names are going to be on the top of the leaderboard. So I struggle with that a lot because that's what I was told as a kid. I believe it. I believed it then. I believe it now. It made me embrace, like, I don't really care who I'm playing with or against. Um, I think we are doing a good job. I think the APGA is uh, doing a great job of getting money in the right hands. I think the tour, I think the George Floyd thing has flooded the market to the see how many black people we can help. And, you know, sometimes that's kind of weak, I think. I think that's uh, – I don't think money is going to make someone so much better. I think it might give them access to things they wouldn't have access to, but it doesn't make you better. Um, so I just, I just want sometimes to be careful about how we go about, are we actually helping them? Or are we just putting them on the spotlight to say we help black people? Hmm. Um, I, don't yeah. th- I, uh, I think Kamali Johnson is a perfect example. I think the kid's really good. I just don't think he was ready to play in a PJ tour event. And no one wants to face the music. No one wants to say, like, hey, man, are these guys ready to play in these events? You know, and I just don't like being embarrassed. I don't want my talent to embarrass anyone. Like, I want to go out there and be like, I can win the golf tournament. So it's a, it's a hard mix. But the kids that – little kids that are black and they're looking at me because I'm black, I want them to look at me and be like, I'm a man. You know, like, I, I believe in people. I understand I'm black. It's not like I woke up and I was like, I wanted to be black or I wanted to be a black professional golfer. So I inspired people. I want to inspire every walk of life just to say that they can wake up and do what they want to do. We live in the greatest country in America for a reason. And one of those reasons is that you can wake up and be successful. You can work, you can be start from nowhere and be somebody eventually. And no one wants to just face that music that like, you know, the scorecard doesn't read color. Doesn't read it. Yeah. Never had. Um, so we'll just keep diversifying and I'll keep getting questions and I'll keep reiterating the same thing. I'm black. I understand that. Understand that it hasn't been easy. Understand that wasn't that long ago that, you know, a black person couldn't be on the PJ tour, but it's 2022, you know, like, let's just, let's just, it's like we have progressed, you know, and whatever you think of it, that's, that's on you, but I ain't going to sit here and carry this torch around in 2022 and be like the reason why there's no black people on tours. Cause we weren't given, opportunities like some opportunities aren't meant to be given they're meant to be grabbed or taken or fought for Mm. 
if you want to be on the PGA Tour and you shoot 6'9 every time and you go to Q school, I'll pay for your Q school if you can shoot 6'9. You know, like if you're black and you think you can do that, I'd pay for your Q school. I wouldn't pay for your Q school because you're black. I'd pay for your Q schools because I believe you can make it on the PGA Tour. You can make it on the Corn Fade Tour and work your way up and learn a lot. You know, like that's how I judge. You don't judge investments off in color, do you? No. Like investments off who what gives you the most potential to make the most money or to be the most impactive, impactful. Um, but I've played in minority tournaments. There's one, you know, growing up, I never played with any black people other than my dad's friends. And, you know, there were no kids that were black, um, but it never, never dawned on me. Um, the first time being black was like, you know, I never was not able to play a golf course. So I, you know, but the first time it ever dawned on me, my coach asked me, we went and played Hermitage Country Club where VCU played. And I'll never forget my coach was like, hey, let's, you know, we were going to this little dinner where uh, Vinny Giles was talking, speaking to the guy. Great. <laughs> um, and I remember he pulled me to the side and he's like, hey, what do you, you know, we had never had a conversation about being black or anything. And he's like, what do you think about this club can't host a U.S. senior championship because they don't have a black member? Like those things, like I just find it weird that like not, you know that many people aren't that successful, you know like, and is it because there's no black people that live there or black people that want to move there for jobs, you know like, mm. you know, there's way more to that than it was when I was 21 or 18 when he asked me that. Yeah, I don't know if I want to go live in fucking Richmond, Virginia. To be honest with you, because <laughs> I'm black, I just don't want to go there, even if I am successful. And to be honest with you, there's just more fucking white people than black people. You know, it's just the it's the facts, and um, I'm going to embrace that question and just learn how to articulate it to the point where we just get down to the facts of that. Hey, if you want to help, call me. I'll teach you how we can help. We're going to send them to the we're going to send them to a teacher that I that I believe is one of the best teachers, and then we're going to put them in events where they play against other people that are chasing for the same goals. We're not going to put them in a tournament where only black people can play. Like I think you should do a little bit of both. I think you should have a tournament where only black APGA where like only black people are minority. I don't understand. I don't know who can't play or who can't play. I know white people can't play or, but like you're going to help them raise money with that. So if they play well in that, they go play in like a Latin American event, you know, yeah, get, them status, get them status on an event that gets them closer to playing with the same people they're going to play with at Q school. Don't give them this false hope of that. If I win on the APGA tour, I'm going to be on the PGA tour. That's right. just not or, or like PGA Tour Canada or, or another another yeah, league. Yeah. Out of their realm, out of their welcome, out of their comfort zone. Um, and I was super fortunate to have people around me that that did that very often. And you know, you don't think about it till it's till people start asking you, like, what do you think? <laughs> you know, third. I'm like, actually I never thought about it. You know, like I used to get questions like, how's it feel to be black and be on the PGA Tour? I would I would hope about the same being white. So it's only a topic because it's talked about every day. Mm. By the media is very powerful. Yeah, I know. I know. In the news, it just raises such a huge topic. Yeah. yeah. But if you talk about yourself in a in a high standard, like if every person woke up every day and looked in the mirror and said, "Hey, I'm the greatest at this," it would change the dynamic of the whole country. It's just how mm. it is. And I just had two amazing parents that told me that every day. And then when I got older, I told myself that, and I can't wait to tell Liam that. For sure, man. Uh, well, speaking of, can't wait to tell Liam certain things. Looking at your future, like looking ahead here these next few years, what are you really aspiring to these next few years? What uh, what are you excited about? Well, I'm nervous about flying with my kid, to be honest with you. 
one. Number two, I want to freaking win on the PGA Tour, man. I'm good enough. I'm capable. Keep being Harold. Keep trusting the, the values that, you know, I grew up with. Keep learning. Keep figuring out what, what I can do to make this world a better place. I wasn't, didn't come into it not to. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I, I want to get to a couple quick uh, Twitter, Twitter questions before we finish up. Fat Man Sports, at Fat Man Sports, asks, what's the most you have lost in a practice round? Uh, guess in the thousand, maybe. <laughs> okay. Who is it against? Uh, I want to say Andrew Lou, Jamie Lovemark, and Pat and I were in that group. <laughs> yeah, I don't really gamble too much in practice rounds anymore, but, uh, yeah, they're fun when you get a good group. <laughs> Andrew Loop's hilarious, man. I love that guy. <laughs> uh, hey, how about this? RLM on Twitter says, favorite, what's your favorite measuring way of measuring and reviewing the quality of a round of one of your pro rounds. Sheesh. That's kind of technical, but. I would say what I shot, basically. Like, that's it. Like, how did, what I shoot and how did that put me in the finish? I, I, I mean, I don't, that's all I care about. I don't care about shooting 69 or better every time. So I just, <laughs> that's my goal. You shoot 69 or better every time you tee up, you'll make a small fortune. Oh my gosh, you would crush it. So mine's always just like, <laughs> never, it's never like, oh, like I understand, like, oh, I didn't chip it well today and I'll go dress it after the round. But like, I don't need a statistician to tell me that, you know, like, you know, I don't need anyone. Like, I figured I can, I guess I'm old enough now to figure that myself. Hmm. What, uh, you're a Jordan athlete. So what's, what's your favorite Jordan uh, shoes so far? 11 or threes, either one. You pick them, you choose them. Yeah, it's not even debatable. Yeah. 2019, uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open. Was it the Jordan 11s you brought out to that? Uh, Yeah, I think so. The black and white one, the Concords. Uh-huh. Yeah. Those are bad. <laughs> we have a pair of them. I got them in all whites, but I don't – yeah, it's weird. It sucks. That's my favorite shoe, man. It was so comfortable. They're all comfortable, but just how they fit your foot, like they feel good. Like they were like not too low, but not too high. Mm. weird deal yeah yeah the details are important um hey let me ask you this so uh, i we i mentioned jordan being a jordan athlete what's your favorite moment uh playing golf with michael jordan so far uh yeah i got a good one my best friend played with me one time and he lost like a hundred bucks to him and he's like hey man i'm about to go spend money i don't he didn't have a hundred bucks while he had his credit card he's like i'm about to go spend a hundred bucks and he approached that he said i don't give a damn where you're about to spend it you're about to give me a hundred bucks so i like had to give him a hundred bucks it was oh man it was great i mean i didn't explain that well but he had been like so nervous the whole day because we were going to just go get lunch okay yeah like we're going to go get lunch and then like mj is like i know you got your clothes and some money so let's play so this was at the Grove, or where was this at? For that's Grove. I was actually coming back from uh, QBE. I like came and I actually, funny, I met with Gary Player for an hour on Monday after QBE. Uh, and not this past year, obviously I didn't play, but the year before, and uh, it was just funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> he just folded like a little bitch. <laughs> and, and so, what was the final score? Uh, well, I don't know. I just know he lost a hundred bucks. I, I, you just play like a closeout game. Like you can, you, I, he lost 200 bucks, 200 bucks. Either it was a hundred bucks or 200 bucks. And he, they played a closeout game and obviously he didn't press. He didn't have any money. He was, you know, but MJ gets 10 shots. So it's kind of, 
it's hard, man, when he's playing well. Yeah, I mean, because he gets 10 shots from you every time you play? Yeah, every time. Any professional, yeah. It's hard. And then on that course, man, he just – you know, they call it MJ Slaughter's house. But, it's, <laughs> man, he just doesn't quit. He's good. So he just knows all the bounces of the Grove or what's up? It's, 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 it's fairly forgiven when you hit it a little shorter. And, you know, he's getting a shot. I mean, he's always in play. He never hits it out of play, which is freaking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so then you just got to deal with the same guy coming at you again and again. He's not going to be out of a hole, basically. Correct, but it's awesome. That's what it's all about, Pete. It's fun. You ain't going to lose friends out there, but you're going you're gonna to gamble, and that's good for you. Good stuff, buddy. HV3, you can follow him on Twitter, at HV3 underscore golf. And uh, great catching up with you, buddy. Thanks again for taking some time. Appreciate it. I'll be seeing you out there. You just keep doing your thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. Good to see you. All right, brother. Be good. All right, my thanks to Harold Varner for coming on the pod. You can hear as he talks about wanting to win on the PGA Tour, it means so much to him. He's hungry for it. He's ready for it. He's been out here for about seven years. So looking ahead, that's one of his big goals. Great to hear about his son, Liam, um, three months old. and He's got a lot of passion, obviously, uh, for being a dad looking ahead here. So a lot of cool stuff with Harold Varner. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll catch up soon here on the podcast. 